Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by two ladies, Ani and Araminta, who are going to explain to us how to play the marketing game in the fintech space. It's not only about social media and influencers and uh, SEO and things like this, or maybe it is all of it together. We'll find out more how to do fintech marketing. So welcome, Ani and Araminta. How are you today? Hello. Hi, Rudolf. Um, good. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Hi, Rudolf. Great to be here, too. Looking forward to, uh, to chatting about marketing. Great. And uh, you're joining us from uh, Switzerland and Scotland. So amazing that we can turn the current situation into a positive and we can all uh, talk uh, at the same time. So first question is, we always ask people, how did you end up doing what you're doing? and why, right? So how did you end up interested and in working in fintech marketing? And then secondly, why have you joined forces together? Well, so I think like many of us in fintech, kind of by accident, really it all started when I was working for a fintech company in Barcelona. It was a, a, a neobank, a bit like Revolut, a bit like Monzo, etc. But it was the Barcelona version. And I was working there, I was helping them with their content. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. And after six months, I decided to go freelance. And I traveled a bit. And I worked for some other neobanks in uh, Malaysia, in UK, in Spain. So I, I was a freelancer and this gave me kind of like an entire, like a, an opportunity to explore many different kinds of, of fintech and, and marketing, obviously. The more work I did, the more I learned about content marketing and how special and even different it is in the fintech world. So I kind of developed that and eventually, you know, I landed to where I am now in one country in the UK and I kind of keep growing this business and help other fintechs from all around the world with their marketing. So yeah, it just started, you know, as working for a fintech and now here I am on my own. And it's a lot of fun because I get to work with a lot of different companies and mainly content marketing, but still learning a lot. So a lot of fun. All right. And Annie, are you having fun as well or you have a different story? <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I think my story is slightly different because I've always, um, I started my career. I'm one of those few people who actually started their careers um, in fintech. I've always had this interest in finance and accounting. To be honest, I actually did an, uh, specialized in accountancy and finance at uni. So after I graduated, I was actually looking for a finance related job, but eventually I ended up at... Um, doing a graduate position, client-facing role at a very early stage uh, RegTech startup in London. So that's how I actually enter, uh, entered the startup space. <laughs> and um, yeah, so they were specializing in financial reporting. Um, it was, um, I had some great fun. It's actually 
probably one of my most valuable experiences ever because I learned so much. You know, at that time, I initially started in, in sales and account management, but then it turned out that I wasn't that good at selling. <laughs> so I eventually moved to marketing. And at some point, um, at that point, I was the only marketing executive at that startup. So I was doing pretty much everything, um, you know, from content creation to managing campaigns, to putting together strategy, working with the founders. It was a lot of fun. And then after that, I actually moved to a slightly more organized, <laughs> position that I moved to brokerage company, a leading brokerage company. Um, and then uh, my last corporate position was uh, in wealth management. So based on my previous experience in financial services and technologies, uh, when I uh, decided to, to do my own thing two years, um, two, two and a half years ago, I started freelancing. Uh, I thought it'd be really good to focus on, on the niche of uh, fintech and fintech marketing. For the past few years, I've been working with um, just like I'm a mentor with a lot of uh, with startups and scale-ups and uh, helping them uh, with uh, their marketing efforts. <laughs> All right. So tell us about the Fintech Marketing Hub. What's your mission? What's the goal here? Yeah, I started the, the Fintech Marketing Hub um, uh, last year in July. So it's only been alive for a little over six months now, seven months. Um, my initial idea was to to create a space, a safe and uh, friendly space for uh, fintech marketers, for for both professionals and enthusiasts. Because to be honest, um, when I started freelancing, uh, you know, I started connect with people in the industry. I started looking for all these insights, you know, to see what people were doing, to connect with people. And there wasn't, it was pretty difficult. You know, there wasn't a single source where you can access, um, you know, insights and information and news about uh, what's happening in the in the world. Of I mean, of course, you can you can learn about. You have the the traditional outlets, um, you know, media outlets uh, for, and you have some fintech specific outlets, but not a fintech marketing one. The main mission is to 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 bring the whole community together to tell some uh, really exciting stories, to find you know, you know everything happening in the world of fintech marketing, how people are doing fintech marketing, and um, to provide a platform for people where you know they can connect, um, grow, and learn from um, together and learn from each other. And uh, during this time, I actually um, met Araminta over the web. Um, and to be honest, I really instantly fell in love with her style and her obsession with fintech. <laughs> I'll let her talk <laughs> more about that. But uh, yeah, she she was, because there isn't that many of us out there, <laughs> I must say. So it was really fascinating. And um, I instantly thought, you know, I really wanted to, to do something with her, you know, to work together. And uh, when I launched the the hub, um, I, uh, you know, I offered to her, you know, to, to, for her to come on board and um, she luckily she accepted and here we are. <laughs> There's just one thing I think, and obviously I, I'm, I greatly enjoyed and I was very grateful to Annie for inviting me. This is a very interesting project that we're working on. But I think what's important to note here is why is marketing a fintech different than other companies or, or other industries? And this is what's important here. And this is why the fintech marketing hub is different from any other marketing hub. And so what I usually come to is three main things. There are three main reasons why I believe that fintech marketing is different to other kinds of marketing. The first one is education. Finance is a, a world that's full of jargon, complex topics, and customers actually need to be educated. And in the past, many financial organizations have not really, I mean, you could blame the schools, sure, but financial organizations have been kind of taking advantage of the fact that many of us don't know what we're doing with our money. Uh, fintech marketing, there's a big part there of, of education, of educating the customer. Uh, the second one is trust. After the 2008 crisis, a lot of us 
do not trust big institutions anymore. And they don't really have, you know, big banks don't really have great reputations. So fintech needs to overcome these hurdles, these extra hurdles that maybe other industries don't have of this lack of trust in banking. And so in order to do that, fintech marketing is all about transparency. We need to really build trust with a customer. And how can we do that? By being super transparent. And that's what we're seeing with many fintech companies, right? Because they're publishing their fees, they're communicating with their customers. It's very different. And and this is like the second pillar that I would call it. And the third pillar is customer experience. I think we can all agree that now customers expect the same standards as they get from Apple, Google, Uber, etc. You know, all this intuitive user-friendly apps. And banks don't provide that because they have legacy infrastructure. And, and I can understand, we, we can all understand that. The thing is that customer habits are changing. And now we value personalization, simplicity, and an intuitive customer experience. And so uh, the third pillar, I would say, of fintech marketing is, is being simple, being straightforward, and actually being customer-centric. So I just wanted to put that in there just to explain really why we care so much about fintech marketing. Mm. It's not just any kind of marketing and it's not just yeah. like, yo, whatever, let's just copy what other people are doing. We really we really have to sit down and think about this. You know, what are we doing here? How is finance different from Facebook? We're managing people's money. It's not the same thing. I think we can all agree. And so that's why really, I think I was happy to join forces with Annie. And this is why I'm so passionate about this industry and this topic is because we have a huge role to play and we can actually change people's lives with this because when people are in control of their money, that's it. They're, they're doing a lot better. They're not in debt. They have control. They can buy a house. It's, it's just, uh, having control of your money means having control of your life. And so. That's what we try to do in fintech. It's very meaningful. And what I can add here is that also um, another point here, um, you know, for well, challenge that many fintechs are actually facing, um, especially in, in marketing, is regulatory side. So most financial organizations are highly regulated. So they can't just say, um, you know, everything they want. Uh, they have to be very careful, uh, you know, when they're um, marketing their products and services. Of course. So all makes sense. So thank you. Now let's delve into it a little bit more. Specifically, if I'm a fintech startup, I come to you, what kind of services you provide? How can you help me? Different businesses, different stages, uh, they, they have different marketing needs and, and requirements. So depending on the type of business and the individual needs, um, I'll help in different areas. And then one of the main areas that I actually help with is, you know, identifying purpose and, and the whole positioning of, of the company and putting together a marketing you know, strategy in terms of, uh, you know, identifying buyer persona, doing some marketing, competitive research, uh, putting together the brand and identity strategy and narrative and messaging, um, you know, coming up with USPs and, uh, and then, um, based on that profiling, marketing profiling, putting together the tactical solutions and strategy. Uh. I, I think the difference is that Annie offers bespoke services, depending on what you need. You go to Annie when you don't really know what to do and you're just like, yo, yeah. I need marketing. So I'm very specific. I only do content marketing. Just to answer your question, Rudolf, my short sentence is I help fintech companies acquire customers online with content. So basically, I help them uh, manage their website, I produce the content, I help them rank on Google, uh, and it's high quality content that is not only going to rank on Google, but also people actually read and adds value in some sort of way. So. So say I'm a B2C fintech early stage startup, right? So what would be your advice on building a brand with a limited budget in the shortest possible space of time? Because that is one of the difficulties, right? I mean, a few years ago, people were saying, I'm a fintech, I'm going to disrupt the world and kill the banks and all this. Now everybody's talking about cooperation. 
So that basically is a partnership model, B2B enterprise sales. That's different. But of course, there are unicorns here, neobanks and challengers around Europe, and uh, they had to build a brand. It is very difficult because it costs a lot of money, right? So how do you do it, especially in Europe, if you're not in America, where you can raise 50 million just to work on your brand, but uh, here you cannot. So how do you build up a brand so that, uh, uh, that that is actually recognized by the consumers directly? So it's a direct uh, B2C business. So I'd love to answer this question because I think this is a very good question and it is the question that everyone is asking themselves, (laughs) right? When they're beginning. Of course, right? Any any kind of startup, really. And and what I'm going to answer is something from a book or from from my experience in books that I've read. And I think this is probably the best kind of strategy. The best, I think, is to start by testing, testing various marketing channels. Although I promote content, it's true that content marketing is not always for everyone, even if you're a B2C. Mm. An example would be Oak North. I mean, they're B2B, I know, but uh, they didn't even start at all with social media or content. And they focused on one channel only, and that was events with entrepreneurs. And that's what worked. So if you've got a limited budget, what I would do is, you know, you set up like a spreadsheet or something, and you list five channels, five channels. These could be Publicity, PR, uh, search engine marketing, offline ads, content marketing, email marketing, engineering as marketing, partnerships, business development, just a couple of them, I'd say around five. And then you run some tests and see which one's going to offer the most traction. And I don't know, these tests could be cheap. So maybe like a thousand uh, euros in one month, something like that, nothing over the top. So maybe you you, you spend 1,000 in one month on ads and then the next month you spend on search engine marketing you know what i mean like you you're you're testing yeah and so you test maybe five and you first of all it's also very important to understand what success means so if this channel works what does that mean does it mean x amount of leads does it mean x amount of conversions and then you maybe you look at your competitors what are they doing what is working for them what is not working for them so you run maybe some cheap tests for your five you've identified five channels you run some cheap tests and then out of these tests, um, you have like three main questions that you're trying to answer, which is how much will it cost to acquire a customer? How many customers will you get? And of course, are you getting the right type of customers? And so out of these five channels, you try and identify one that seems to be working and you focus on that. And then and you can use your spreadsheets to rank and prioritize channels. So maybe, I don't know, maybe um, offline ads are working best probably unlikely if you're a B2C fintech, but maybe email marketing, for example. Engineering as marketing is one of my favorites, which is where you build a tool, like for example, a tax calculator, and you allow people to use it for free and then they can sign up if they want the results, for example. It's a great way to add value while also you know, turning that into a potential customer. So that's what my answer would be. As you can imagine, there's no one marketing tactic that's going to work. Every company is different. Every proposition is different. Every target markets might be different. And I think it's best to try and just find that channel that works best for you and then focus on that. And then eventually, once your budget grows, you you do other stuff. What do you think, Annie? In terms of brand awareness, uh, something that I can add here is that, um, and I think it's really essential, especially in the B2C space, uh, that you have to be, to really think outside of the box and to think how you can be different and to do something kind of unusual. You know, if you want to, you know, generate quickly brand awareness and you want to get people's attention, you know, the media's attention, you have to do, you have to really stand out. You have to do something differently. And we, there, there are actually a few examples out there, you know, about uh, brands that have been very bold 
and risky and um, you know let's say they've done some interesting uh, initiatives like uh, for example this US startup uh, called WePay so they did this marketing stunt um, in the UK uh, in, in the US one of their main competitors is pay- was PayPal so what they've done is that um, you know during uh, one of the biggest conference PayPal conferences they dropped a huge ice block stuff with hundreds of dollars outside of PayPal's developer uh, conference in San Francisco and this size block also featured the URL leading to a unique landing page with some more information about WePay. And the stunt was designed to call out PayPal for freezing customers' accounts that happened earlier, um, you know, in, in the week or so, and soon received so much coverage both online and across the mainstream tech magazines. So they quickly generated this, uh, you know, media bus and, uh, you know, word of mouth and the media attention. So this this example really shows that how you have to think of ways to be different, you know, to especially in the B2C space, because now nowadays everyone kind of sounds the same. And uh, in terms even of products, um, you know, you, you have to think of, you know, be more creative, I would say, as well. You know, creativity is the, the, the one thing that uh, could really help, you know, stand out. All right, message received, so think out of the box. Uh, but uh, there are some obvious channels, right, which are, uh, Araminta was talking about before, like uh, online ads. So do you think are they worth any money at all? And uh, can they work for fintech startup? And uh, when and where? Uh, or is it something that is... Uh, is is only going to work if you spend millions over a few years or, or what's what's your take on this basically from my personal experience uh, you know running uh, digital campaigns for clients and uh, and working in house um online ads can be very powerful that's for sure and uh, only but only if they're part of an integrated multi-channel strategy so um essentially Basically, with all your marketing, your ultimate goal is to constantly follow your target audience and remain on top of your um, audience minds, right? But if you don't have a substantial budget, uh, I would say that there are some other more cost-effective ways like content. And I mean, I can actually talk more about the content side. But uh, one thing that I certainly recommend um, here in terms of, uh, you know, when you have limited budget and when, you, when you're just starting, um, retargeting could be uh, in terms of paid advertising. Um, it's something that... Um, it's you know could work really well and it's very effective um, even for um, you know small businesses or early stage businesses um, who don't have that much uh, you know that big budgets i think so you're right online ads are a bit saturated uh, but i believe they're a good way to test copy and landing pages so maybe you're not really sure about a new feature or even a new product um, or maybe even the copy itself does this sound good does this go with our branding will people like it so I think online ads are a good way of just quickly testing so as I said before you know cheap tests online ads ads are great for just cheap tests you know I also believe well online ads are essentially you know if you're a a B2C fintech startup are are more for awareness rather than conversion. They're a bit like an ads on a bus, right? You don't really know, you know, they're not highly, they're not super targeted. They're not as targeted as maybe other kinds of, of marketing. I mean, so I think it's it's also a good way to build an audience on social media. So it, it's more of a like, it's, it's a way of building awareness and maybe directing potential customers to your social media, to your content, to landing pages, maybe a, not a direct conversion into a customer. Um, so that's that's what I would say about online ads. 
All right. And then, well, let let me follow up on what Danny said before as well, thinking outside of the box. So if I'm a fintech company, is traditional marketing then offline marketing relevant at all or which kind of things you can do, right? I mean, yes, maybe you put billboards somewhere, maybe you don't, or you uh, have a mascot that is running around the train station in Zurich or in, or in Edinburgh. But uh, what else can you do? Is there anything that uh, from traditional marketing fintech startups can still utilize a lot of us a lot of b2c fintechs are doing online marketing so there is value in doing traditional marketing uh, because maybe it, it stands out a bit the main reason however that we prefer digital marketing is because it's easier to measure right it's easier mm-hmm. to measure the roi and it's also easier to target but that doesn't mean that traditional marketing is useless like it's uh i remember hearing stories from uh, the b2c's here in in the uk from monzo starling etc and they thought that they had reached quite a good demographic and then they started doing tv ads and the response was crazy they had not expected it they, they were able to target a much larger demographic and, and it worked quite well so there is definitely a place for traditional marketing it just it just costs a lot more i wouldn't say that it's maybe the best way of running a cheap test if you're on a tight budget maybe stay away from traditional marketing for for a bit and then once you have the money, um, yeah, of course, why not? And use it for awareness once again, maybe not for conversion, but just awareness about the brand and, and all that. That's what I would say about it. Yeah, I agree with Aramins that traditional marketing is definitely not dead, um, even during the pandemic. Uh, and I think if it's part of a uh, you know multi-channel strategy, um, it could be quite powerful. I mean, of course, it will probably cost a bit more. But even we we have examples where um, you know uh, fint, um, traditional marketing has been actually used uh, quite effectively and cost-effectively. And one good example here in the UK is. Uh, the pension B provide uh, the pension provider pension B. So what they done was that they did some highly targeted outdoor advertising as part of their ta- tactical marketing mix, and it proved to be very successful and resulted in direct increase in their traffic and account opening rates. Um, you know they could they actually noticed the difference when those uh, outdoor advertising um, you know was on. So uh, I think there's definitely a place for it. <laughs> and uh, of course, you know. B2C and marketing, they go hand in hand and B2B marketing is something different. So how do you impress the clients if they are your enterprise clients? In the past, it used to be also like, let's take them for a skiing trip or something like this, depending on their policy, of course. But what can you do these days in a B2B space? From my perspective, you know, what I've seen um, happening in the industry and uh, I think that there's B2B is definitely a bit more challenging. Um, as there is this stigma that B2B is dry, I mean, B2B marketing is dry and boring, right? But it shouldn't really be the case. So, and lately, in the past few years, we've actually seen some really good examples of uh, B2B challengers who are doing some really interesting things um, in terms of uh, um, marketing communications and tactics. And one perfect example here is the fintech consultancy 11FS and their media production model. I think that's really something mm-hmm. that in the B2B space is working really well. I mean, obviously, one of the main, the ultimate goals uh, in the B- for the B2B fintechs will be to educate their audience, to provide some um, insights, to, in, in, to be informative. So that's one, a perfect, uh, you know, way to do it, to uh, turn into a media production <laughs> company. <laughs> and to be honest, I mean, we actually started seeing this even more. Um, and recently, many VCs have also started adopting this model. So you can look at the fir- first round capital. They actually 
employ um, internal journalists and um, they have these amazing uh, digital magazines. And um, yeah, that's really one way that um, you can um, stand out and, and build, um, you know, reputation and, and brand awareness. All right. All right. So that's a good example, right? I mean, we had David uh, Breer actually on the podcast in the summer. So a shout out to 11FS <laughs> again. And uh, well, you mentioned you've been doing this for a while. So can you mention some success stories or also lessons learned? I mean, this is an opportunity to brag and name drop as much as you can. Uh, actually, it's funny that we're recording this today because just today I released a article on my website with a case study, exactly that, a case study of how I grew a fintech's mm -hmm. organic traffic by uh, over a thousand percent. And so... Yeah, I mean, what what I do at Mint Studios is really focus on growing a website's kind of real estate, you know, online, so that they they can use that website to um, not only attract customers but also build trust and actually create a community. Uh, so one of the one of my clients uh, was um, is called Minted. They're bas they basically let you buy gold through an app. So think you know what Robinhood did with the stock market, what Transferwise did with FX, what uh, Revolut did with uh, banking. They've done with buying gold, right? Usually you buy gold through a dealer and now through them, it's like just like an app. And so uh, what we did is about a year ago, we started working together and I helped them grow their content um, and uh, help them actually like ac actually acquire customers through their website and also through th with content. So with articles every single week, with interviews, with research. And so that, that was a lot of fun to write about. So if anyone wants to, because I, I really enjoy writing out my entire process of what I do and how I do it so that people comp like understand completely what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I've kind of detailed that in one of my recent articles. Um, but yeah, I mean, I the, what's fun about what I do is that I've worked with a lot of different B2C fintechs from all around the world and also B2B. So I've worked with one of the fastest growing fintech companies in Southeast Asia called BigPay. I'm also working with... Um, a Bitcoin company called Mode Banking, and then Rooster Money. We also did also a Money Dashboard, another PFM app here in the UK. So it's it's very interesting to be able to write with so many different companies. And you're asking what are the lessons learned? I mean, I'm not, I can't make an entire list because there's a lot. But the main thing is that what's crazy is is the huge the huge role that content plays nowadays. Like 10 years ago, this was not the case. Uh, maybe 10 years ago, people were going crazy about, I don't know, ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, growth hacking. And uh, maybe 20 years ago, it was, I'm not sure what it would have been 20 years ago. But nowadays- Billboards. Billboards, there you go. Or, or songs, I don't know. Radio was maybe 50 years ago. You know how every generation has their thing. This generation- it's content. Like you go on Twitter and it's crazy. Everyone is has the next tip, the next trick, the next... Um, everyone's becoming philosophers online and is trying to become a thinker, a writer, and trying to... And, and for a good reason, because writing allows you to, to think more clearly and to also kind of mm, communicate and unite with other people. So I understand this. It's just, um, it's just very interesting to see how everyone... How, the huge role that content plays nowadays, so... From my perspective, I think what I see many fintechs uh, and especially early stage startups uh, uh, doing wrong and um, uh, kind of focusing enough on is to have, um, when it comes to marketing, is um, you know to have a clear strategy 
uh, and to be persistent. And I think that's uh, the main problem with marketing nowadays. We live in a short-termism, right? Everyone is looking for, that's why actually digital marketing is so popular and sought after because um, everyone is looking for instant um, returns, for instant results. And so, but you kind of forget that, um, you know, people tend to forget that marketing is a long-term game. Um, and um, yeah, so basically I think what's really, and this is what I've been helping, um, you know, clients with is uh, to putting together uh, you know, to a strategy and to make sure that um, whatever what, what, whatever tactic they choose uh, is the right one because everyone could say that, okay, now you need to focus on LinkedIn or now you need to focus on, um, I don't know, content as Raminta said you know, earlier, but content might not be for you. Uh, it really depends on the type of business you are and um, where you are at the moment, you know, um, the, the markets, um, product positioning. So I think the, the one strategic thing is that you need to really understand your clients, uh, who they are and uh, what interests them, uh, you know, how they behave, where they go. Um, because basically, you know, you have to respond to, to their um, exact needs um, in order to convert them into clients. So that's what I've been helping with. And I've, uh, for the past two years and a half, I worked with a select number of uh, uh, early stage and, and scaling startups um, and um, as I said um, before I help them with uh, launch campaigns product launch campaigns uh, one particular client I'm working with at the moment is called it's a blockchain um, uh, application um, and I help them with uh, pretty much I'm their uh, marketing um, team you know <laughs> uh, in one so I'm, I'm helping with uh, all aspects of uh, you know their, their marketing efforts so all right. So, Araminta, you mentioned that you like to write. I just read an article recently about the fancy backgrounds on online calls that apparently the latest fashion or not the latest fashion, but what transpired over the last 12 months is to have a fancy bookshelf behind you. And uh, so that's why I would like to ask you uh, or both of you, obviously, what would be the best book that is related to fintech or that is relevant for fintech founders that i should put on my bookshelf when i take a picture for this podcast <laughs> nice well a uh, good question last year i've re- I, i've read three or four fintech or four actually four fintech books and they were pretty big ones uh, and, and i love them i have to say or oh, it could be um, a business book to be honest obviously. yes i know this is this is what i was going to reply with because i think fintech books are very important very interesting but they're more for maybe people who are working in a bank, you know, people who need digital transformation. Uh, although fintechs, obviously, is, is they, it's very valuable for them to read it. But I feel like it would be even more valuable if a banker reads it. Uh, my favorite book, fintech book, I, I don't know, it's difficult to say, but my two favorite books would be Bank 4.0 by Brett King and Doing Digital by Chris Skinner. I, I, I read both, both those books last year, and it was pretty mind-blowing, all the information that was in there. If you're in the fintech space nonstop, stop like you are Rudolf you probably wouldn't find so much new stuff in there like you probably already know quite a lot um but it's a really good way of summarizing everything and Brett King has some really valuable insights because he has his own uh, neobank right moving in the US and he's one of the OG one of the original uh, neobanks and so he has some very interesting insights that I, I I really enjoyed um and in terms of business books if we're talking to fintech founders it's it's funny because a lot of business books are very generic right uh, and sometimes you're not really sure mm what to take away from them. So what I'm going to say is this book that might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I really 
it really made me think, and it's called Profit First. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, but basically, it's a way of being profitable from day one. And as we know, in uh, fintech and B2C, neobanks and everything, everyone's always asking them, when are you going to become profitable? When are you going to become profitable, etc. And this book completely turns that concept on its head and says, you can be profitable from day one if you use a different kind of budgeting strategy. And I loved it. it, it accountants will hate it this book and the strategy because it goes against everything that they've been taught. But for those of us who just want to see the numbers really quickly and make decisions quickly and don't want to go through this whole, what's the um, balance, what's the profit, what's the loss, uh, etc. This is just a very good strategy. I really enjoyed it. It might not be applicable to everyone or to very, obviously it's not applicable to huge conglomerates or huge companies, but for small startups with a small team, I think it's a very, very valuable book. I don't know. I think it's worth checking it out. But I think, uh, especially for founders, what's really useful is to to see what others been doing. I mean, we always, I think one of the best ways to learn is by example. So um, one book that I can add to <laughs> the ones that Aminta already suggested is uh, the FinTech Founders book, uh, which is, you know, includes um, a number of uh, interviews, real life interviews with um, successful FinTechs, FinTech founders. Um, so that, I think that would, that would be really, really useful for, for anyone out there. And as well, I mean, of course, uh, I can also recommend uh, as a resource, um, not really a book, but uh, as a digital resource, the, the FinTech Marketing Hub, where we're also sharing a lot of successful stories and how they did it, uh, stories you know, about uh, FinTech and especially in FinTech marketing. All right, all noted, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll talk about it at our uh, next chat on uh, Clubhouse. Uh, we just had a first uh, event there, which was about book tips. You know, a light version of a book club in a way, and uh, also had Brad King for nice. the first year anniversary here on the podcast, and we talked about his new book that is coming out, yeah. which is the Rise of Techno Socialism, uh, where obviously the publishing date has been postponed because it's being updated for COVID. Uh, hopefully it will come out in April. Uh, I don't know if uh, by then we will have a final word on uh, what's going on in terms of a pandemic, but fair enough. So uh, shout out to Brett as well. And um, I'd like to then know, you know, as much you can, as as much as you can say in these circumstances, what's in store for you this year? What, what are your plans? What can you? What are you working on? For me, definitely uh, growing the fintech marketing hub uh, and, of course, supporting my clients. Uh, but uh, the hub is really a priority because uh, it has received some really positive feedback. It's been growing steadily and quickly. So um, with the with Araminta's help, uh, uh, you know, I'm hoping that we can grow it even further. And we have actually lots of things planned in store. <laughs> so. Uh, one thing is um, we'll soon to, to launch a new podcast, FinTech Marketing Podcast. So, Ramita, do you want to say a little bit more about the podcast? Sure. So I am a avid podcaster. I love podcasting. I've been podcasting for three years now. And uh, we recently, we didn't stop the podcast, but me, we were three co-hosts and two of us have decided to leave. And of course, that doesn't mean that I'm stopping. That means that I just move on to another podcast. And so uh, with Annie, we thought uh, there's definitely a potential to have a fintech podcast that is focused on marketing, because as I've mentioned before, we feel that there's a lot to talk about here. And it's, it's very interesting. And there's so many very interesting people uh, that are working in fintech that are doing the marketing. So very, I think this is also an opportunity to hear from some of the best minds in this, in this industry. Uh, and so we, we've landed on the name Market Like a Fintech. <laughs> And we're launching, hopefully, 
end of this month um, and we're going to be end of this month or, or mid-March and our podcast will mainly be focusing on on chief marketing officers, marketing managers, heads of marketing in um, not just fintech startups, but also maybe in, in banks and in uh, B2B fintechs also. It's, it's kind of marketing and finances yeah. in general. How, how do those two industries combine and, and what does that mean uh, in terms of customer relationship? And, and all that. So that's what we've got in store. Uh, I'm quite excited. We'll see how it goes. And maybe one day we can have you on yeah. our podcast, Rudolf, and you can tell us all about how you're marketing voice of fintech, for example, or other fintech marketing stuff. Yeah, well, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, well, good luck uh, with another podcast. Uh, now you're a serial <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard of that before, but fair <laughs> enough. Like a serial entrepreneur, right? <laughs> so what's the best way to reach out and find out more about the fintech marketing hub? Definitely visit, visit the digital platform, the website, fintechmarketinghub.com. And so you can connect with me and our mentor on LinkedIn as well. We're very active there. <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter at Mint C Studios. I'm tweeting nonstop. And also my email, Araminta at Mint Copywriting Studios or my website, mintcopywritingstudios.com. You know, my DMs are open. My email is also open. I'm happy. I love discussing this kind of thing. So anyone who wants to have a chat, just um, email me. Yeah, same. <laughs> Open to any new opportunities and, and interesting conversations out there. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much and good luck to you, uh, Annie and Araminta. Thank you so much, Rudolf, for having us. Pleasure. Thank you, Rudolf. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.